Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. When you consider the power of God, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Well, this is a hard question because one could rightfully name so many things. Creation, certainly creation of all the things, including the universe, all the creatures, even man himself may be at the top of a lot of these lists. Others might say God's miraculous power. And certainly God does have the power to accomplish miracles. But I wonder how many of us would give the answer that the Bible gives. Because when the Bible speaks of the power of God, as it does in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it mentions none of these things. Listen. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Bob Danker has joined us as we talk about the power and the wisdom of God, and it is this crucified Christ, isn't it, Bob? It certainly is, Chris, and uh, it's it's wonderful to see uh, God's power and God's wisdom in this kind of way. We would never dream that a crucified person would be the power and the <laughs> wisdom. We would think that a crucified person is certainly a weak person, right. a person who allows others to crucify him yeah. and has no way to deliver himself as the Lord seemed to be. And also we would think that a crucified person certainly is foolish, that he would get himself into such a situation. But actually we'll see that the crucified Christ is the power and the wisdom of God. The contrast in this verse, in this whole section really in First Corinthians uh, chapter 1, is really remarkable. It's very profound because Paul uses the word the power and the wisdom of God on one hand, but in the previous verse he says to the Gentiles, that means to the unbelievers, that's to us before we're saved, foolishness. So what is powerful to God is foolishness to the world, to the unbelievers. But I think as it unfolds today, we'll all be impressed and be full of appreciation, even worship and praise to God that it's the crucified one that is the wisdom and the power of God. Also interesting, this came out in a program a day or two ago, Bob, but uh, Paul very specifically didn't say that the resurrected Christ is the power of God, but the crucified Christ. Maybe it'd be good to review that point. Well, of course, resurrection is a great power, and Christ <laughs> is this power. Right. But in order to enter into resurrection, we have to pass through the cross. And the cross is a power in another way, and we'll see that way here in this message. Okay, let's join Winnie Slee with this first portion today. In this universe, there is a problem of Satan. And following this, there's a problem of the world. And following this, there's a problem of man's sin. And following this, there's a problem of man. 
man who was created by God became sinful. Even became sin. Man became a problem. And man has the natural life, and man has the flesh, not only so, because of all this, everything in this universe has become old. And old means what? Means no life, rot, ruin, full of death, and useless. Then, in order to deal with man, God has given man a lot of regulations, ordinances, all the things. And how could God save anyone without solving all these problems? To solve the problems of all the things, there was the need of Christ to be crucified. He became a creature, putting on the human nature. For one purpose, not only for the purpose to shed his blood for your sins, to die for you, not only for this, but also for the purpose to solve the problem of Satan, of the world, of sin, of the fallen man, of the natural life, of the flesh, of the oldness, of the old creation, and of all the ordinances to solve all these problems he need to die on the cross in a human nature. And he did it. He did it. This is God's power. God's power to defeat Satan. God's power to defeat the world. To put down sin. To overcome the fallen man. To solve your natural life. To defeat your flesh. And God's power to what? To terminate all the old creation. What other power is more powerful than this power? Bob, this... Uh especially the closing here, really strengthened this point, and I think it helped us all to understand why it's the crucified Christ that is referred to as the power of God. There's so many things in this universe, so many things in us that need crucifixion, aren't there? That's right, Chris. Actually, all these things that Brother Lee mentioned, Satan himself, the world, sin, the fallen man, the natural life, the flesh, the old creation, and all the ordinances, these very things are the very problems in the universe that prevent or hinder God from fulfilling his purpose and his plan. God wants to save people, but how can he do it? Man has become a big problem. He's become involved with all these negative things. So in order to save us, God has to solve the problems. Man's way to solve problems is to negotiate God's way to solve problems is to terminate. <laughs> if you can terminate yeah. everyone and everything that is not God, then you have solved all problems in the universe. And that is exactly what happened through Christ and his crucifixion. Every negative thing, every problem in the universe was solved because all the factors that produced the problems 
were terminated on the cross. This is God's power. This is the power that solves the problems, that removes the hindrances to allow God to carry out his marvelous salvation, which fulfills his eternal purpose. Mm. We come out with a quotable quote here, Bob. Man's way is to negotiate. God's way is to terminate. Was that it? That's it. That sums up so much. And uh, really, for us to try to sit down, even in the presence of God, and to try to negotiate away such things as sin and the world and the corruption of the flesh and uh, uh, all of the aspects of the, uh, the effects of the fall of mankind, this would be ultimately vain and completely uh, a waste of our time and God's, wouldn't it? It certainly would, and this is uh, what we see. Uh, man's way is just to try to negotiate, but this is a failing way. Bob, as we continue on, uh, I want to bring up a verse that he will refer to, I believe, in this coming section, a couple of them actually in the Gospel of John, talking about his crucifixion and his attitude towards it as he faced it. Listen to this in chapter 10 of John. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And verse 18, that was verse 11, verse 18 in the same chapter, no one takes it away from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it again. This commandment I received from my Father. The Lord Jesus did not have his human life taken from him, did he? He willingly, knowingly laid it down that it could become God's power and God's wisdom. That's tremendous, Chris. Oh, it is. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Who can destroy Satan? Who can? Who is able to do this? Who has the power? No one has. God has. But God has this power. What kind of power? Not the power to speak. Then something is there. Now that can power. But the power by being crucified. The power by a wonderful death. The death of Christ on the cross has become God's power. I tell you that one death cleared the entire universe. What a power is this? This is God's power. Not only so, such a crucified Christ is also God's wisdom. To do anything, to accomplish anything, you need the power and you need the wisdom. You need the strength and you need the way. Sometimes you are full of strength, but you don't have wisdom. You use your strength in the wrong way. All of us, not one exception, have the problem of losing temper. We just don't have the power to overcome our temper. And we don't have the way. The way say, okay, to overcome the temper is to pray. Prayer is the power. Prayer is the way. And we all have tried, and we all can test that tonight. doesn't work. But listen to this. When you call on the name, oh, Lord Jesus. When you enjoy Christ. When you have the life-giving spirit within you, you have to testify that the temper is gone. There is the power to overcome the temper. And there is the way to overcome the temper. And what is the power? The death of Christ. And what is the way? The death of Christ. The crucified Christ 
is the power, and he is the wisdom. Hallelujah. When you experience the crucified Christ, patience is there. This crucified Christ is the power for patience, and his wisdom for patience. You do have the way. Bob, I would like to come back very specifically to a section that we just heard. I have done this. Lord, please deal with my temper. Take away my temper. Why is it that that prayer never gets answered, but there is another way provided, isn't there? That's right. This is just not God's way. Uh, We have our way. We pray. We ask God to do something for us in an outward way. But God's way is to use the crucified Christ as his power and his wisdom to terminate the negative things and to bring in all the positive things, Hmm. uh, such as patience, Brother Lee mentioned here. And we have to realize that we have the greatest power in the universe within our spirit. Right now, right within us, we have this Christ with his death and his resurrection is installed in our spirit right now. And this power and this wisdom is nothing less than the life-giving spirit, the resurrected Christ. So all we need to do is to switch on, turn on the switch, and the power becomes applied to us. And what is the way that Brother Lee gave us to turn on the switch, to tap into this power? The way is just to call on the name of the Lord and to contact this life-giving spirit within our spirit. If we would simply do this, abandoning our own strength and our own wisdom Mm -hmm. and take God's power and God's wisdom, we will see that all the negative things within us are terminated and we have all the riches of Christ in resurrection as our enjoyment. So this is a tremendous revelation. By calling, O Lord Jesus, whenever we do that, then we experience Christ crucified as the power and the wisdom of God. I think this point is worth dwelling on for just a minute more. When we touch him, as you just described, we call on him from deep within, we open our being and really establish a living, vital contact with Christ. If we are really touching him, we are touching the one who defeated Satan on the cross, right? Terminating Satan the one who took all of our sinful flesh and left it on the cross. That's right. Crucified, uh, buried, dead, gone, terminated, as you said. We then experience the one who resurrected and ascended far above all things. So when we touch him, we are touching all of those aspects of his uh, divine, overcoming, eternal life, aren't we? This, Chris, is a great revelation, and I would say the key to the Christian life, to realize that Everything that Christ is and everything that he has accomplished for us is now in the life-giving spirit who is in our spirit. All we need to do, as you said, is to contact this one in a living, vital way by calling on the name of the Lord. This unlocks and releases the great power that terminates, destroys Satan, crucifies the flesh, crucifies the old man, the old creation. Mm-hmm. All the problems are solved by this one living contact. And then this ushers us into 
resurrection, which is all the riches of Christ on the positive side, yes. become our enjoyment, our experience, and eventually our expression. We express these riches in our living. We express Christ instead of ourselves. Boy, what we just have been talking about, Bob, we could sum up very simply, I think, with two words that we use a lot, but I don't know that there are uh, many occasions when it maybe is, is expressed any more clearly, so I'm going to highlight them if it's all right. This is God's economy, isn't it? This is God's economy. I think this matter of his economy is going to be reinforced somewhat in this last segment today because he will connect what we have been seeing and fellowshipping about to God's purpose which Paul brings up in Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 3 and many other places. But let me read verses in uh, in these two chapters, if I could, because they do fit very significantly with what we're fellowshipping about today. Again, Ephesians, Ephesians 1 verse 11 says, In whom also we were designated as an inheritance, having been predestinated according to the purpose of the one who works all things, according to the counsel of his will. And then in chapter 3, according to the eternal purpose which he made in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this council that took place in the Godhead at some point in eternity past, Bob, this solution to all of these problems and this release of the resurrection life was discussed and settled upon, wasn't it? That's right. It was pre-planned by God in eternity past to have Christ crucified as his wisdom and his power. And so Christ willingly then laid down his life, and we are the beneficiaries. Absolutely. Wow, wonderful. Let's go back to Witness Lee. This crucified Christ has the element of resurrection, and he has the element of ascension. When you enjoy the crucified Christ, you enjoy his resurrection. You enjoy his ascension. And his ascension, his resurrection, his everything is in these crucifixion. There's no gateway for you to enter into the reaches of Christ but crucifixion. The cross is the way. The crucified Christ, he is not only the power of God to you, he is wisdom. This means you don't need to seek how to carry out God's will. You just experience the crucified Christ. Spontaneously, you become so wise. Especially so wise in doing God's will. It is not up to you to make up your mind that you will do God's will. As long as you experience the crucified Christ, you will be in the wisdom of God to fulfill his plan. When you experience such a Christ, his crucifixion terminates you. Whatever you are, whatever you can, will be just terminated by this Christ. I must tell you, this is the way for you to be delivered from your natural life. And this is the way for you to be delivered from your flesh. What way? Crucifixion. Not your crucifixion, but his. Christ crucified is not only the power, but also the way. Hallelujah. To the Jews, it is an offense. To the Greeks, it is a kind of foolishness. But to us, 
who have been called. This is God's power. And this is God's wisdom. Bob, this is one of those messages I feel like I need to highlight, go back to, read it, listen to it again. He touched so many points here that are absolutely vital, not just to our understanding, you know, this passage, this portion of Scripture, but to our our Christian life, our daily experience of the Lord. As you said a minute ago, this is the key to the Christian life. We talked a bit ago about praying prayers such as, Lord, take away my temper and how that's vain. How many times have we prayed, Lord, if you would just show me the way? I would do it. Well, we just heard what the way is, didn't we? That's right. We heard that there is a gateway into all the unsearchable riches of Christ, and this gateway is the crucifixion of Christ, Christ's crucifixion. This is the gateway to usher us into the enjoyment of the unsearchable riches of Christ. This is the key to everything. What is God's will for us? God's will for us is that we would experience and enjoy the crucified Christ. That is simple. That is God's will. If we experience and enjoy the crucified Christ, we have the power and we have the wisdom to carry out God's eternal will. But if we try to do anything in ourselves, including we try to crucify ourselves. Yes. Remember, Brother Lee said, it's not your death, not it's our not death. your crucifixion, it's his crucifixion. <laughs> that is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So we, fallen yet redeemed and regenerated people, believers, we need to experience this wonderful Christ with his crucifixion, which is then linked to his resurrection and his ascension and to all that he is and all uh, his unsearchable riches. Once we have his crucifixion, we have everything related to him. Bob, uh, I believe it's Romans 6, correct me if that's not right, where, uh, you know, clearly the facts are laid out that when Christ was crucified, we too were included in that crucifixion. But when we link ourselves to that divine fact with the exercise of faith by contacting the one in whom this is a reality, then it is not only just the objective fact, the doctrinal truth, but it becomes our our day-by-day experience as well, doesn't it? Absolutely, Chris. You really touched a key here. We have the objective facts in the Bible. Christ was crucified. We were crucified with him. All the negative things were terminated. That's an objective fact and a reality in the divine and spiritual realm. But it needs to become real to us. So how can all these realities that are revealed in the Word become our reality or our experience? Just as you said, we need to exercise our faith, exercise our spirit to touch this person, the crucified and resurrected Christ who is now the life-giving spirit indwelling our spirit. If we have a living contact with this person, anytime we touch him, then everything that he is, everything that he's accomplished for us, all those objective facts in the Bible become subjective realities in our experience, and everything is applied to us. This is a tremendous secret that uh, unlocks the whole world of reality. Uh, it gets us out of the realm of doctrine and into the realm of reality. And that's why uh, we are blessed, I have to say, each day to come to this, what Witnessley himself dubbed it, named it a life study. Not just a study, 
but it's a, certainly a study, but it's a study that brings us into the real experience of the Christian life where all these things are true, both in fact and in our experience. I certainly agree there. Well, great fellowship today. What a message. Wouldn't you join me in recommending our listeners contact us about this printed life study? I certainly agree with you, Chris. If you'd like to find out about receiving the volumes that cover the book of 1 Corinthians, and of course after that we'll go on to 2 Corinthians, our toll-free number for that, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or you can write to us at Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814 or send an email to radio at lsm.org. We hope you'll contact us. We very much uh, love to hear from you and get your calls and your comments. And that's it for today. Bob's good to have you back. As always, join us again very soon. I look forward to it. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Are you enjoying this program online or on a smartphone right now? Did you know there's much more from Living Stream Ministry that you can carry with you? Go to lsm.org slash ePublications to discover all that we have available for your tablet, e-reader, or smartphone. We support Kindle, Nook, iSilo, and ePub formats, which means you can read this ministry on any PC, Mac, Android, Palm, Blackberry, Sony, or Linux device. Everything from the recovery version of the Bible to the complete life study messages and a vast array of other titles by Witness Lee and Watchman Nee are now just a touch away. The Word of God is rich and weighty, but now you can take it with you wherever you go. Again, the website, lsm.org slash ePublications. Thanks for listening today.